No, I'm just saying. It's like your whole life, your whole life, you hear, uh, you fucking young people, you don't listen to fucking anything. You'll see, you'll see. And it seems like there's no transition. One day, it's like, all of a sudden, you're saying, these young kids, they don't listen to fucking anything. You know? Got a fucking answer key to life for them right here. They fucking ask me for my advice, they ignore it, and they fucking come back with their head hanging. What happened? What Exactly what I said, right? Jesus fucking Christ. Don't listen to fucking anything. Three, two, one, go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, subscribers. Welcome to the Brainstorm Podcast. My name is Ryan Smith. Get your umbrellas out because you are about to experience the brainstorm. Let's go. All right, guys, I was looking for like a segue episode. I'm going to start uh, dropping some of these shorts. I know an hour of your time is a lot to ask. Producers are trying to figure out the right, uh, you know, the right formula. You know, leave comments. Leave me a voicemail. You know, if you uh, go onto Spotify or Anchor uh, platform, I know I'm on about 12 of these things, but if you go on Spotify or Anchor, you can leave me a voicemail. Tell me what you think uh, works best on app for the show, you know. You want me to go on for 10 to 15 minutes every day real quick? You want me to go on for 30 minutes? Should I save the 60-minute episode with an, a real issue for a weekly thing? Because, you know, eventually we'll run out of issues. Well, not the way I talk. I talk fucking worse than fucking... My grandpa used to say, you yak worse than six barbers. <laughs> and fucking... <laughs> um, you know, but it's possible. I could run out of shit to say. So anyway, I... Uh, I mentioned in the healthcare episode that uh, this week I'm gonna bash on education next. Well, how about a how about a little short to lead us up to bashing on education next? All right. Um, yeah. When I think back to my education, I think back to college. I ran a business, cash business, made a lot of money, a lot more than any of you. I promise you that. How can I say that so confidently? Well. Let's just say I can. Um, you know, going to business school, having to write papers on different aspects of business came rather easy to me since I was running my own as I was writing these papers. It was usually me writing about something I dealt with that month. It was awesome, actually. I replaced uh, the words and with uh, tickets and sneakers. <laughs> so... Yeah, that way you don't have to uh, talk about illegal, because I don't like that. But yeah, just replace the nouns. Make them happy. Something you younger generation have a problem doing. Just keep your mouth shut. Doing what the uh, the wise elders want you to do just to make them happy. That just used to be how it went. Getting away from that. I don't know. Might be a slippery slope. Not listening to your elders. Sounds kind of stupid to me. When I think back more on my education, you know what I think about? How in high school I was in ROTC and how I stuck out like a sore fucking thumb. You know, the truth was is that I wasn't supposed to go to public high school. I was supposed to go to a private military academy because 
parents were concerned about some behavior issues. Well, right they were. <laughs> but time I was uh, 15, I was bootlegging CDs. 18, I'm selling ecstasy. I won't even talk about what I did in college because there's some statute of limitation issues and my attorney says that I need to be aware of. But, uh, you know, allegedly I was doing some illegal things. So I guess my parents were under something when I was 13, 14 years old. And they compromised. You go into ROTC, okay? Reserved Officer Training Corps. The Junior Reserved Officer Training Corps. Air Force is what my high school, uh, it's a branch that they uh, danced with. So, let me see if I remember it. Four marking periods, you know, we call them marking periods. It's like uh, a quarter of a school year. You know, semester is half of the school year, I think, so. Uh, or whatever. Fucking semantics. Words matter. Fuck you. Words matter. Um, so, one of the marking periods I think we did in the fall. I think we started out. It was either the fall or the spring, depending on the weather. Drilling ceremony. You guys remember being in high school, seeing the ROTC kids outside marching with flags and rifles and, you know, not the rifles you kids these days bring to school. Not with AR-15s, for Christ's sake. I mean with toy rifles that we spun around and threw up in the air and caught. You know, it was pretty cool, actually. You know, it takes talent and rhythm to do that shit. I was really, really, really good at that. I was embarrassed of being good at it, too. I hated it. Like, man, Smith, he's fucking natural at this drilling ceremony. It's like, no, I'm with a bunch of drooling labradoodles. And they just fucking uncoordinated. Left, right, left, right. What the fuck can't they get? How, am I, how can I be good at walking? It really doesn't bode well for these humps, huh? And I remember my ASI, that's Aerospace Science Instructor, pulling me aside. You know, these are guys that were all numb. They were tired. There's two lieutenant colonels, one senior master sergeant. Shout out to Stover Gaynor, Willowson. They were my guys. They put up with a lot of shit for me, but I love them, and uh, I know they love me, too. Um, they were willing to put up with the shit, and they wouldn't give up until I had my head on straight. And when I left, I, I believe I did. Um, they say, you know, you need to stop talking out like that, calling your fellow cadets fucking drooling labradoodles or whatever you're saying this week. You think you're funny. Like, it hurts their feelings. They look up to you like a leader. You know, real leaders lead. They're not bullies. And I was oh, I'm not trying to be a bully. Fuck, I was just was like making fun. And I realized they were right. It's the only time I was ever accused of bullying in my life. That wasn't me. That was not me. I mean, I was uh, in advanced classes... I was a weird, I was a weird guy, man. Anyone you'll ask will tell you, like, I, I just didn't fit in anywhere, you know. I, I wanted nothing to do with this popular group of kids that I was supposed to be hanging out with. I wanted nothing to do with athletes. I, uh, you know, I couldn't, I, I was good enough to play basketball in high school. I couldn't make the team because, <laughs> why? Because I fucking would mouth off at the fucking refs and they knew about it in Parks and Rec. He's like, this kid got thrown out of six games by eighth grade? Thrown out of the game? Like what, like two technicals? No. Like he chased the ref and punted the basketball across the court, and the ref just, beep, whistle, out, leave the fucking gym. Your parents aren't here, walk home. <laughs> you know, like you're a disruption to uh, the parks and recreations uh, activities. And my friends in the basketball team in high school would crack up laughing. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, 
I, I would play with them. We were, there were plenty of leagues in the summer and the winter that we played in. And we had a mutual respect there. We all, to this day, when we talk, we talk about basketball. There's a small group of us. Um, another shout-out to Diddy. I just talked to him about basketball. My man, he told me he told me for the first time we were talking, Diddy and me were talking. He said before we ever met, he's like, I was a little nervous of you, man. I saw you fucking wild out for no reason in the game and... And, and this and that. And I'm like, yo, I thought you like and me were cool because like you used to go hard on the refs too. He goes, man, I used to get mad when they missed a call and sometimes I get teed up. He's like, you punted the basketball into the stands and almost hit my mom in the head one time. <laughs> it's like, I remember when you covered up the friend of me and I'm thinking like, is this guy going to bite my ear off? <laughs> I was like, God damn, I was that bad, huh? He laughed. He's like, let's just not talk about it. <laughs> Because you remember your dad stopped coaching you because he was embarrassed? I was like, yeah. He's like, you think that's normal? I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> that reminds me. I got to fucking get on the horn with him. Get him out here working in Denver. Um, huh. But yeah, I learned a lot playing basketball about life. But I learned a lot in RTC. Drilling ceremonies, one marking period. Um, what do they call the other one? Leadership. Leadership was one of the marking periods. Aerospace science was one of the marking periods. And then the other marking period was like, I forget what they would call it. It was pretty much, for lack of a better term, life lessons. I remember Colonel Jerry Gaynor. I wonder if he's still alive. I know I was invited to a retirement party of his about five years ago. And uh, I, um, I wish I could have fucking went. I don't, you know, guys, hey, if there's any youngins listening, whenever there's an opportunity to do something that you can picture yourself regretting if you miss it, do everything in your power to get there. Because once you miss it, you miss it. And now what I know is I was his retirement party. I know this man. He ain't having any more parties. He probably didn't even want the goddamn retirement party if I know him. It was forced on him. I'll never get to see him again if he's even alive. And, uh... I liked him because he used to like flat out tell me, um, you know, they let us get away with things in RTC here that they don't let other teachers get away with. Well, we're not going to hit you or anything, but he's like, I can curse and I can tell you that you're a shithead because my cadets walk the uh, hallways and give this high school class. It makes it look good. They are the model citizens because I will demand that and accept nothing less than model citizen, model student of the high school. Your promotions are based entirely on your conduct in class. We'll even let it slide if you're not getting good grades. If you're failing, forget it. But uh, if your teacher can say that you are a model student and a role model for the other kids and she wishes they all conducted themselves like you as far as a man or a woman... Young man, young woman, boy, girl, whatever we used back then. I know that was only two back then, that's for sure. <laughs> that's going to get me in trouble. Fuck it. Um, is that, you know, you know, I get away with that shit because they like that we keep uh, a huge portion of the uh, school's population in order. They don't have to worry about my cadets. My cadets aren't getting suspended, are they? No. You know why? Because after you get done serving that suspension... You get a whole marking period of uh, your lunch is eaten with me. 
you bring you go get me lunch as a matter of fact you bring me lunch you bring yourself lunch and you come eat it in the hole they call it the hole like you're in solitary in prison and you'll sort uniforms you'll do this you'll do that you could get suspended for a fight you know get put out for a day and you'd serve fucking 60 to 90 days under their uh watch you know like doing you know bitch work and trust me man like what they did worked it worked tough love you don't take any shit it was unfair cruel and unusual punishment he used to say yes indeedy <laughs> and he said you know why i earned the right to do that because i served my country for for 30 years and then i and then he used to say this back then i retarded myself he was he was trying to be funny guys the word retarded, he wasn't using it offensively. He retired, retarded. Because in the military, he would, he'd write LT, period, capital C-O-L. That's lieutenant colonel. I remember Jerry was spelled a G because he was French or some shit. Gerald, let me see, J Gaynor, comma, R-E-T apostrophe D. So he'd say, like, my name is lieutenant colonel Gerald J Gaynor, retarded. And he'd he'd be it would be funny. Back then it was a different climate, so don't break my fucking balls and don't you dare call him out. Cause if you call him out, he's gonna hear this episode. He has my permission. Leave me a voicemail. I will take care of that person breaking your balls, Convener. You are in that, sir. You have my res- my respect till the day you die. And I know you're you've always been a geezer. So you used to you used to call yourself that, an old geezer. You know, he was he was a smart man. He didn't take any shit. He took less shit from me than everyone else. I remember uh, Sergeant Slover. He was cool. And you know, also very wise. Um, he had that, like, fatherly instinct in him. Um, you know, like, he'd have to fight. And he also would bark like a pit bull when he was pissed off. But um, he had to deal with some shit. I remember... Uh, I remember watching. He wasn't wasn't uh, lying. There were some kids that would like snap into shape for uh, one of the colonels, and you know, I felt like there was a little bit of racism going on. He was a black, uh, you know, sergeant, and uh, he had to probably deal with a lot of people taking orders. So he would watch over the years more uh, steadfastly. I don't know the word from the white. Uh, colonels than they would the black AS, black uh, NCO, non-commissioned officer. And I remember him one time, it was just me that was in the room, because of course I'm serving like my, you know, time in the hole. There's no students in there, there's no cadets in there, it was just me and those three. Colonel Gator, how do you like it, Smith? Like hanging out with us instead of picking up some trim? It's awesome, isn't it? Like, fuck you. What was that? Nothing, nothing, nothing. That floor better be shining when you're done. Like, God damn it, these assholes. But I didn't even have to be there. He's like, you know, you're welcome to leave if you want to be a little bitch. (laughs) And they just played me like a fiddle. But I heard one time, you know, Stover loses cool because he felt, and I remember feeling so bad because I watched the situation. He was right. Like, this this fucking redneck kid was kind of, like, dismissing his orders because he was black. He would rather get him from the white guy, and I was, and he fucking was pissed. High school kid made him pissed, and then he apologized to me for losing his cool. He pulled me aside and said, "Look, you know that's one of the most embarrassing moments in his career." And I'm like, you know, sir, like sergeant. I'm like, no, I'm gonna call you sir. Uh, 
<laughs> I respect you. This has nothing to do with RTC, sir. You, uh, you, um, you were right. I don't know how you can hold that shit in forever. I'd imagine every once in a while it slips out, and hey, it slipped out in front of the right person. I'm never going to tell anyone this. I'm telling the world on a podcast, but they're all retired now. doesn't matter. I, I don't even know if they're alive. It would be great if they could hear me tell, talk about this. Back to that one marking period. Like, lessons in life. They taught us how to balance a checkbook. I didn't know it at the time, but most of the cadets in RTC were going to enlist. Not all of them were like me getting the full ride with RTC scholarship to any school I wanted. Um, they were going to enlist. They were going to be in the military at age 18, 19, whatever. Boot camp after the senior year of high school. Excited to do it. The scary fuckers were the ones that were going to enlist as Marines. And uh, to the credit of uh, those instructors, they did everything in their power not to insult the other branches. They kept that friendly rivalry, supported the Air Force. But um, I remember them telling stories about how others would refer, refer to Marines as bullet catchers and this and that. And <clears throat> tell us not to listen too much to the recruiters making it out to be like all sunshine and daisies but they did a very good job at knowing which people let's be honest the military is like a jobs program people aren't attacking America I mean not countries at least maybe rogue terrorists but uh, there are some people that they could not see going to college and getting a master's degree the military was a good path for them and at the time they used to recruit by saying we are not a major uh, conflict since Vietnam. You know, Desert Storm was officially the last, uh, you know, aggressive military mission. That was in 1992. That was 12 years ago. So, you know, they'd say in 40 years, we've had two, you know, military conflicts. And one of them was a police action in Vietnam. Whatever the fuck that means. But uh wasn't a war, huh? Okay. All right. Just draft people? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, anyway, moving forward forward moving forward um they talked about how you take five percent of each paycheck and you put it into the stock market and they talked about the rule of seven like every seven years uh you get seven to ten percent and every ten years the uh, value of your portfolio will double at that rate and the market always goes up and then you take another five percent or two percent something like that it, um, of your paycheck and you just put it in savings and he used to colorfully say so one day, and, and this was this was what Lieutenant Gaynor's uh, thing that he would do a guaranteed way to become a millionaire by age 50 and um, and it, it and like I remember like I went like the whole time I was like can I listen to it early can I listen to it early because I'm already working if it has to do with saving money like I want to start saving now and he's like not until you're senior not until you're senior <sighs> fine and, you know, it, it's it's as fucking textbook as it gets, and it worked. And it and they had every component built in. It was so militaristic the way he designed it. Like, he said, in case my refrigerator decides to commit suicide, <laughs> I have money saved to replace it. No big deal. I don't have to sweat about coming up with my whole paycheck to replace the refrigerator. In case my washing machine decides to jump off a bridge, no sweat. I got that 2% of every paycheck I've been saving from the second I bought the brand new washing machine. You know, and 
I that money is specifically put there for when my car needs new tires and new brakes and, and that money is to be saved and then spent on unplanned unfixed expenses and then maybe we get lucky and we skirt a few and we get that washing machine that lives two lifetimes and it all balances out in the end it's like and if you keep it in the stock market like uh, worse instead of into a 401k is it what you don't need you can do this yourself um, that way there's no penalty for taking it out he's like anybody that tells you to keep it in there until this time they're just tricking you you know they're they're assessing a penalty for you taking your own money does that sound right he's prep he's telling this to you know 17 year olds and that we're all taking notes vigorously because he sold it. Like, how to be a millionaire by 50 when you're tired. How many guys have parents that are uh, over 50? And then only a couple hands went up. Very few. Because, you know, we're 17. But a couple hands went up. How many parents are over 40? Every hand in the class went up. So within 10 years, are your parents? how many parents are going to be retired? A couple hands were up. Maybe one, two. Well, I'm telling you guys how to be better than your parents. And boom, there he goes again. What a fucking leader. What a fucking teacher. He knows the buttons to push. And then when they need help, you can help them. Because, God damn it, you are grateful. Because my cadets are grateful. Sons of bitches. And then say, you say, I'll never forget what he used to say. You cotton-picking, chicken-plucking, rebel-rousing, son-of-a-Dutch-Amishman, sons of bitches. <laughs> um... Man, he was such a great man. Um, balancing the checkbook, how to budget, how to keep a savings, how to invest in your future, how to make sure that, oh, term life insurance. He's like, you guys go out right now and sign a, ter- a 20-year, 30-year term life insurance policy. You can pay about $10 a month, especially if you don't smoke those cancer sticks. He's like... You are healthy 17-year-old young men and women. The chances of you dying in the next 30 years are extremely low. $10 a month. He's like, and you know what that'll pay for? $100,000 life insurance policies. Like, and you write in your will that you want them to put you in a pine box and cremate you. And that way that your family is only paying about $10,000 for your burial and disposal. And whether it be your wife, your kids, your mistress, your cat with a crown on and a throne whoever you're leaving your money to they'll have as much of it as possible and you won't have a a dime robbed from you because you're one of the few that were prepared from age 17 i mean it was he wasn't selling anything this man wasn't a fucking stockbroker this man wasn't an insurance salesman these are very this is a military approach guys and i you know because of my asthma I wasn't in active duty military for uh, for a career. I, it was not an option for me. I tried. I got uh, booted. <laughs> um, you can't fake asthma. They make first. You know, like I said, they are they are the epitome of of not stupid. <laughs> the United States military and their systems are so. They've accounted for every crazy situation you can imagine that would happen in somebody's life. And, you know, that's why they understand you can lie about asthma. They used to call it the MEPS, like your medical exam. It's probably much more sophisticated than it was in 2000 when I enlisted, when I, you know, signed up to be an ROTC in college and graduate as an officer. Um, but, and I was going to do the Air National Guard in the meantime, so that meant I had to go to boot camp Lackland, Texas after uh, my senior year. 
first thing you do when you wake you up in that fucking hot 120-degree sweat box that they call Lackland. It's right near San Antonio. Um, they run six laps, quarter-mile laps. You're running a mile and a half. I got. I was on my hands and knees puking, having an asthma attack the first day. <laughs> like, get, uh, guys, we got our first asthma liar. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> like, like my dumbass. Like they haven't. Like, like that's what all it takes to outsmart the United States Air Force. It's like, nope, I don't have asthma. I'm like, okay, just to make sure, since the Air Force is the branch that we call in very often, being that we don't. Uh, much partake in guerrilla warfare anymore. We fly over and bomb people, meaning that you're going to be an officer. Um, we're going to make sure that you're not caught in the Middle East needing albuterol or venolin and finding out they don't have pharmacies there, let alone steroids for asthma. They just let people die because they're a third world country. All right. He's like, and they made me feel bad. Like, you imagine if you could fake us out? And he's like, and if you, maybe your asthma wasn't acting up, or it's allergy-induced, you might have been able to fake us out. And then you'd have me, the recruiter, with living the rest of his life with your blood on my hands. And I was like, God damn, I am sorry. I, I just wanted the scholarship money. I didn't want to be saddled with debt. Good thing that Colonel Gaynor's system worked for being a uh, black market dealer also because I saved my money exactly how he told me. When I graduated, I put it all in real estate. And then I fucking went off his system and I got a mortgage after I owned a house outright. Bad move, Ryan. 2008 comes, world economy collapses. I had myself uh, at a point where I'm taking in 9000 a month with 7000 a month in bills on the side. So I'm making twenty four grand a year on the, on the side of my uh, full-time $50,000 a year job at age 23, 24, something like that. I was doing pretty good for 2007, 2008, whatever it was. And uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm taking in 5000 a month for $7,800 a month because of those... Of course, I signed up for adjustable rates. I did everything he told me not to, and boom, here we go. 30000 a year. I got to come up without a pocket. Can't do it. Can't swing it. Not unless I'm going to go live with my parents and just hand all my money to interest-only mortgages. Best to scrap it and start all over, and that's what I did. It sucked. But I remember going back to him and telling him he smacked me in the back of the head. Smacked me in the back of the head. Right? adjustable rate mortgage with what did you not understand about saving money not borrowing money at a rate that isn't even defined you are the fucking the the whiz kid in math i know i know i just got greedy i was every they, they had me convinced everything i touched turns to gold and he says smith the only thing that you can be certain of that turns to gold when you touch it is your fingertips if you put them in front of your dick when you're pissing i was like okay gross <laughs> Uh, point taken, sir. What do I do? What What do you do? You fucking file for bankruptcy, you dumb fuck. And you you fucking listen to me right now. And and excuse my language, but you are no longer a student of mine, so I'm going to go a little hard on you. You listen to me. Seven years, you'll be 33. You're very young. Do not delay. And sure enough, he was right. Here I am, you know. It'll be seven years since that day when I was 33, about a year from now. I am with a you know, clean bill of credit for six years. God bless that man. And then, uh, you know, and the ROTC program in general. 
I tend to think that my program, New Jersey 932nd Air Force Junior ROTC, after Odyssey, as they used to call it, I tend to think under the instruction of Colonel Gaynor and Sergeant Stover and Colonel Alozen, it was one of the top-notch programs in the country. I just, I just can't imagine any being much better than that. And we would go to boot camp in the summer in Fort Dix McGuire Air Force Base, and I would meet the other aerospace science instructors. They weren't, they weren't the same. I we had some special people in Washington Township in Gloucester County, New Jersey. Um, I, Colonel Lozen had to stay up and hand me over to my mom one year when we had to have boot camp. I forget there was something going on in Fort Dix. There was some construction, so McGuire Air Force Base could not house the junior ROTC cadets. Um, so we had to stage the boot camp at the school, and they we everybody slept in sleeping bags in the gym. I was a uh, a lieutenant that year. I had my own platoon. The commander of the uh, camp and me have words one night when we're on, you know, we to, people had to stand guard all night long. The uh, officers would take turns standing guard and sleeping. And I'm on guard. The commander's up awake for, you know, no, God knows what reason. He gets up my ass for, like, the way I'm addressing my platoon and it needs to be more serious, less jokes. And I'm like, fuck you. I have my way. You have your way. Your way is being the fat shit. My way is leading people. And he goes, what did you say to me? I want you out. And I picked up a chair and threw it at him. A metal chair. Like, not like a folding chair, like a metal chair that goes under those ceramic desks. Bang, right in his face. Starts bleeding everywhere. They have to throw me out. Colonel Willowson, poor guy. I remember just this cool, calm, he, he comes up to me, grabs me, like, Smith, come with me, and he pulls me out of there. He goes, take him to uh, sick bay, I think they called it, sick bay, get him medical attention. To the commander, who was, you know, a cadet commander, you know, he was like a year older than me, and we used to be buddies, and he's like talking to me now, like he's hot shit, I didn't like it. But again, that's, that's my, my bad, not his, my bad. And, uh, you, know, re- you know, rank and command, it's the only way it works. Chain of command has to be followed or else it's anarchy. And Willowson pulls me out and he goes, and he looks left and right, are you okay? What the fuck made you do that? Ryan. And he puts his arm on me like a father. Ryan, 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 you're one of the smartest kids we've ever had in this program. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know what I have to do now, right? Just so you know, your mother's already being called. She's on her way here to pick you up. You're out. And you know what? You're going to give me some time. I'm going to talk to Gaynor and Stover, and we're going to decide what we're going to do with you. But, boys, wait until they get their hands on you. And uh, we'll see you in September when school starts. I'm like, that's it. That's it. Go home. My mom is so embarrassed. I'm sorry, Mom. <sighs> I get to school. They call my mother and have her bring me in the day before school starts. School used to start on a Thursday before Labor Day. I come in on a Wednesday. Willowson excuses himself from the room when I walk in. My mother is asked to kindly step outside with him, and they chat. Colonel Gaynor looks at me. He comes up. He puts his nose about one inch from my face and walks away. And Sergeant Stover is listening to the jazz on his computer. I remember. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Oh, when is it ever going to end with you, Mr. Smith? <laughs> and then I hear Colonel Gaynor. We should call him ex-Mr. Smith, current Mr. Fucked. 
do you know what we're going to do? Yeah, Mr. Smith, who is to Washington? That's what he used to call me. I believe it was a movie, you know, before my time. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. You know what we're going to do? Colonel Gaynor wanted to toss your ass out of the program, and I, I convinced him, now. I like Ryan. Ryan's a good boy. He just has a fucking temper that we need to take responsibility for curing before he gets him in trouble in the real world. We're promoting you. Congratulations, Captain Smith. You are now the director of operations of the NJ 932nd RTC program at Washington Township High School. You will be in charge of every single cadet and officer promotion. Every single you know non-commissioned officer and commissioned officer promotion. Everyone's uh, forms will be evaluated by you, and you will do it in a timely manner, and you will be in charge of the transition, working alongside of the Inspector General of the actual rank insignias and ribbons and everything that is handed out. You will do all of it. And I said, I didn't want to have that responsibility. <laughs> I hear Gaynor. You think we give a shit what you want, Smith? I'm just like, okay. You know what the outcome was? Everybody had a deadline to turn in their promotion forms that that marking period. They turned them in by Friday. I came in Monday, and, and it was two to three weeks before they were announced. I came in three days later with every promotion done, and I wrote a little note on the back of everyone's slip on why I made my decision and how, and I made a couple spot promotions and they had to be approved by the senior ASIs, and they approved everything. And Colonel Gaynor and Sergeant Slaver came up to me and he said, I just want you to know we are not surprised. This is the work we expect from you. Are you ready to be a man now and stop being a little boy? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So... I learned more in ROTC than I did in any other uh, academic program in high school. I uh, highly recommend it. Go check out the aerospace science instructor if it's an Air Force ROTC. I don't know what they would call them in the Naval ROTC and the Army ROTC. Certainly not aerospace science. But uh, they're, you know, instructors. Go check them out. I have a feeling that you're going to find the people that retire as officers from officers or... uh, NCOs from the uh, military that have put in 20 years or more that want to uh, have a life in education. I'm going to find, uh, I think you're going to find that by and large that they are a great group of men and women. And uh, if, you know, anybody has any kids that they're thinking might have behavior problems, not a bad route. There's no military obligation. I want to just emphasize that. As a matter of fact, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they would say, we hope you don't go into the military. We hope we fought the last war for you. You know, we want you to be smart, responsible, positive, contributing members of society. That's all we want. And they were serious. <sighs> but I wanted to do a follow-up to RTC and uh, give them a shout-out. All right, guys. Didn't go as, as uh, quickly as I intended, but, you know, like I said, guy, a kid talks more than six barbers. He yaps more than six barbers. Guys, thanks for joining in today. I want to just always thank uh, all my listeners and uh, for all the support. Thank you for all the chat fans. I am going to try my best to get back to you 
as you gave me 910 new followers yesterday. I'll tell you what'll help. If 700 out of the 910 people that have questions for me, don't ask me to send them a picture of my pishka deal, all right? I mean, I'm flattered and all, but man, I don't know how many genders are asking me for it, but I'm pretty sure I'm getting all of them, and I'm not interested in any. I'm, I'm expressing my beliefs. I'm trying to help the world here, you know? I mean, there's been some girls that have argued I've helped the world uh, with the pishka deal, but, uh, you know, it's been girls, and it's been girls have taken up the dinner and shown a little respect that pulled out the chair. Not girls that uh, type on the computer. Let me see your dick. I don't know. It's not a turn on. It's different for girls like me. We like to be uh, wined and dined. So, you know, I, I kind of, I, I'm, I'm not a prude, you know. I, I like that rough stuff, you know. I, I even will say, it goes far as say, I want a, uh, ideally, I want a whore in the kitchen and an angel in the bedroom. Yeah, Lauren, just because you're a producer doesn't mean you know everything I mean. Last night, she was an angel in the kitchen. I'm sorry, in the bedroom. And she was a whore in the kitchen. I banged her over the fucking sink. And I think you should know that because it was you. God, fucking people. Always fucking that and the fucking two cents. Here, you can have my two cents free. You can be alone. Because <laughs> I'm out of here. Leave me. So, uh, General Custer, in Custer's last stand, you know, he dies in battle. And, you know, his, uh, his wife commissions an artist that was, uh, you know, just like now there's military photographers that go out in time of war. Back then they had military painters, right? So she got the uh, painter that was there when he died to, uh, she commissioned him to do a portrait of him. And she said she wanted it to uh, capture his last thoughts. And, uh, you know, it takes him months and months and he's working on it and then he, he unveils it as these beautiful colors. And, uh, there's blues and oranges and yellows, and he's look. She's looking at it and uh, says, I, I, "I don't understand. I, I told you to capture my husband's last thoughts. You know, this is a picture of a bunch of cows all around a field, and there's Indians making love <laughs> on the grass underneath the cows. What, what is this? This filth?" And, uh, you know, I, I said I wanted my husband's last thoughts. I wanted, I wanted you to, you know, to bring him to life uh, so I could feel closer to him. And she said, whoa, whoa, Miss Custer, Miss, Miss, uh, Widow Custer, Widow Custer, listen. These are your husband's last thoughts. <laughs> Holy cow, look at all these fucking Indians. <laughs> <laughs>